Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham. You are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 people of Geek Vibes Nation. Welcome to another episode of Geek Vibes Live. I'm your host, Juwan. Uh, And before I announce our, excuse me, our uh, co-host, I do want to take a second to give a, um, not a shout-out, but condolences to the lives of uh, the families in Texas and Ohio. Um, Very unfortunate what has happened these past few days, or the past day, really. Um, So we send all of our loves and prayers to the families of both Texas and Ohio. Uh, But I wanted to make sure I started the show with giving a shout-out to them. Um, Tia, sorry to start on such a sad note, but um, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what's, what's going on, Tia? Um, I mean, I don't know how I'm really supposed to respond to that, except for that I <laughs> <laughs> I share um, wishing our condolences. This is something that is just far too <laughs> often. Um, oh, boy. Something's good. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but, um, yeah, this is something that's, like, far too uh, frequent of an occurrence in this country. It's just really sad. Yeah, definitely, and sorry about that. Um, that was a toll. We could say that was a uh, that was the, the toll of the, the bell. That was a respectful toll. Um, but, no, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, it's very unfortunate, um, but it's something that we needed to give awareness to on our show. Um, because it's something that we definitely feel very sad for. Um, Kanan should Kanan called in like a second ago, and then just hung up. So I assume he will be calling back in. He uh, heard that noise. He heard that noise. Uh, and I he's like, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> Kanan, Kanan, are you there? Yep. What's up? Uh, yeah. What's up? <laughs> Uh, no, we were giving our condolences to the uh, the families of both Texas and Ohio, but I was also about to introduce you, so you called in literally at the perfect time. Um, so what's going on, Kanan? Long time no here. It's been forever since you've been on. Uh, I don't think it's been that long, but maybe it has. It and apparently, has. Uh, apparently there was a shooting in Chicago this morning as well. Yeah. Oh yes, my goodness. Jeez, family in Chicago. The families in Chicago also. This is just in- insane. Um, but this is gonna snowball. We-, we definitely again send our loves and prayers to the families of now Chicago, Texas, and Ohio. Um, before we get into uh, our major topic, Tia, you have not seen Hobbs and Shaw yet, right? I haven't. No, but I heard it's been okay. doing really good. Yeah, I actually um, just saw it yesterday. I enjoyed it. Um, I do wish that these movies would have less dialogue, um, but I enjoyed it a lot. I won't ruin anything for you, Tia, as Kanan knows because he saw it. Um, there are two really big fun surprises in it. 
Um, and those two surprises should definitely like this world that Vin Diesel has built, or, or rather, um, Fast and the Furious has built. Like, is the only movie franchise I've ever known that could have a spinoff of a spinoff. Um, Kanan, do you, do you get what I'm saying with, with that? Um, oh. I think. Well, I think I think it has the spinoff power because of who was requesting the spinoff, and that was uh, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham. Uh, we haven't seen any spinoffs other than, uh, you know, other than those two so far. I mean, they did kind of have the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, um, and but that didn't really do so well. Um, but hopefully, uh, Hobbs and Shaw will do well enough that they'll be able to do, you know, the all female version that Michelle Re- Rodriguez wants to do, and uh, maybe do a spinoff with uh, a couple other characters. Yeah, I mean, to me. I'd rather you continue spinoffs than continue the Fast and Furious storyline, only because I kind of feel like at some point it's going to get a bit ridiculous. So it's like take a break from it, do other spinoffs to keep the world alive, and then, you know, after a while, come back to it. So I think after nine, take a really long break, do spinoffs, and then revisit it, uh, you know, 30 years from now. Anyway. They want to, <laughs> well, they want to go, they want to go to space in the next one. So they're definitely looking for ways to expand this universe. Yeah, no, I, I, I that's what I'm talking about, about it getting ridiculous. Do not go to space. Um, like, I already kind of feel like we've gotten out of the idea of what Fast and Furious is supposed to mean. Um, so it's just don't, don't make this the Avengers of, of Fast and Furious world. Um, I mean, they technically already did. Vin Diesel went through the the windshield of a car and was completely fine. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but I bring it up to say, I brought the movie up to say that, Kanan, I think we both can agree that we enjoyed it. It wasn't a horrible movie, wasn't a mess, wasn't terrible. I think we both enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, from start to finish, I mean, it never lets up. Um, me and Dom went and actually saw it, and he he thought it was really good as well. I mean, it just... It just is action and, you know, the charisma of Jason Statham and uh, Dwayne Johnson uh, were there, plus Vanessa Kirby and Idris Elba. I mean, it's it's a really fun movie. Um, I really expected the movie to do a little bit more than what it did this weekend, uh, but I think overall it's going to do uh, it's going to do quite well. Yeah, and I was really surprised that a movie that had no cameos from any of the Fast and Furious. Um, cast members, I thought it'd be, because to me, The Rock is a draw, same way Will Smith is a draw, but we've seen The Rock's movies fail the same way we've seen Will Smith's movies fail. So I thought it would just be a nice added boost, um, especially globally, if you just added, like, somebody from Fast and Furious just to make a cameo. Um, But by the end of the movie, I kind of felt like it didn't need it, and I was kind of glad it didn't have it. Um, you know, so, I mean, you know, hats off to The Rock uh, and Jason Statham. I really enjoyed this movie. After seeing Vanessa Kirby, I could see why um, her name might have been in the hat for, for Catwoman. She definitely gave me vibes of, of Selena Kyle uh, throughout the, that movie. So that's definitely something I could look forward to. But um, the biggest thing is we need Idris Elba back in the superhero world, and I'm glad James Gunn has done that for us um, because the man just needs more. He needs more. Um, but yeah, 
So hopefully it does huge numbers in the box office or continues to do huge numbers, does great overseas. So we can get more of these because I would like to see more of Hobbs and Shaw. But all right, um, let's move on. we got some trailers to break down. Uh, let's start with the biggest one, The Irishman. Um, I'm not even going to get into it first. Tia, I'm going to go right to you. Your thoughts on Martin Scorsese's newest project that's going on Netflix, I believe, um, and obviously it'll have a theatrical release, um, The Irishman. Well, first of all, I do have to point out that, you know, I grew up in an Italian-American family, so watching things like uh, Godfather, Casino, Goodfellas, that's just something that was always on. And so to see kind of like uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci get back together in a film, especially a Martin Scorsese film, it's just like, I love these, like, Irish-Italian gangster movies. You know, there was an oversaturation of them at some point, and we haven't really seen them in a really long time. But for them to kind of get back together and be telling the story that they are, I think that it just looks like, as we were talking about earlier, they're definitely gunning for an Oscar because it just, it the trailer built up anticipation. It had enough mystery to it where they really weren't showing Robert De Niro's face the whole time and obviously that's because they had de-aged him so they were trying to hold off on that until the end of the trailer. We see um, the political and um, environmental social issues of the time that this is happening and I think it looks really good and I like the fact that Martin Scorsese doesn't seem to be afraid to be getting into the streaming uh, service, you know, kind of world. Obviously, it has a theatrical release, but it is essentially a Netflix movie. And he just, he's not taking the road that, say, Steven Spielberg is. He, He knows that this is how people really watch movies nowadays. Not everyone goes to the theater. So he, you know, I thought it was very smart on his part. And I think it's great because I believe that this is the first time that Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci have been in a movie together since uh, since um, Casino. Yeah, I believe so. Yep. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I also, I, I loved what the movie seemed to have been about, uh, seems to, to be about. Um, it's about a time in our history that is the most secretive time. Um of, of all uh, our, our American history, and that's the, the death of Kennedy. Um, there's speculations, there's assumptions, there's framing. There's just so much that, that went on, uh, you know, regarding the story of, of his untimely death. Um, so, I mean, this kind of shedding a light a little bit. Um, to me, Martin Scorsese is a guy who does not shy away. So I feel as though if he's tackling this, he's going to – he did his research, you know, he made some phone calls, he got some information um, that, that's going to hit hard. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't wait to see see this movie. We've seen that, excuse me, Al Pacino and De Niro have done movies together since, um, you know, stuff like Godfather and then, you know, uh, stuff like that. They've done some, a movie called, like, 88 Minutes or something, or maybe that was just uh, Pacino. But there was a movie with De Niro Pacino and like 50 Cent. Um, so they've done work together more recently in like the past decade maybe. 
Um, but Kanan, I'm gonna go over to you, man. What were your uh, initial thoughts of the first official trailer of The Irishman? I mean, I thought it was well done. Um, the de aging uh, in films is getting so much better that I can't wait to see like older actors. Like, I would love for Jack Nicholson to come back and do one more movie and just you know de age himself. Um, you know, it's just it looked so good. Um, I guess the only thing, and the reason why I brought up Jack Nicholson was because Jack Nicholson played Jimmy Hoffa in the Hoffa movie, and I thought he did a really good job capturing uh, who Jimmy Hoffa was and kind of the mannerisms and the look. Um, I'm not sold on Pacino in that trailer as Hoffa. He just came off too much Pacino to me. I don't think Pacino can – I don't think he can get that kind of the voice and the – the face just isn't there, um, so it kind of threw me off a little bit. But, I mean, for Scorsese to be able to get Pacino um, and uh, De Niro and even um, Joe Pesci, okay. who I don't think has done a movie in forever, uh, right. back all together is amazing. Uh, I mean, Joe Pesci is Oh, I've been wait I've been wondering where he's been, like, oh my goodness, like I mean, I would love for him and Marissa Tomei to do a uh, a sequel to my cousin Vinny. I yes. mean, I know Joe yeah. is a lot older. <laughs> he he actually I mean, Marissa Tomei hasn't aged a bit. I mean she I mean she pretty much looks like she did, you know, uh, in that movie whereas Joe Pesci's, you know, aged quite a bit, so yeah, they definitely would look different. But I mean I would love to see them get back together. So maybe, you know, this is something that uh will get you know, Pesci more involved with, uh, you know, back in the film. But, I mean, I thought it was a, a pretty powerful uh, trailer. Um, you know, honestly, it comes out in September. So, I mean, the fact that we're just now getting really a look at it is pretty crazy. But, uh, no, you're you're right. It will get a limited theatrical release, and then it's going to be on Netflix. Um, I mean, but I thought it looked good. I mean, I, I'm excited to uh, to see where it goes. And De Niro's already negotiating, I read to be in another upcoming Scorsese film. So it looks like he's kind of got the, the itch to work with him again. Uh, so maybe we can definitely see them uh, back together. De Niro and Pesci and uh, Pacino uh, are a great combination, but I really love Pacino and, and De Niro. Their their vibe and heat um, was mm-hmm. just, you know, some of the best. And, of course, you know, they were, um, you know, in The Godfather um but no, I mean this is it was it was a good trailer. Like I said, my only my only gripe about it was just I'm not really sold on Pacino um as Hoffa. Yeah, and I will say Ray Liotta definitely needs to find a way to uh um work with Scorsese and work with these guys again. I would love to see Ray Liotta, Pacino, De Niro and um uh Joe Pesci. Uh Ray Liotta is another guy that has spent a lot of years saying yes to a lot of roles he probably shouldn't have. Um, so to see him get get back into like an you know an Oscar kind of feeling movie um, would be dope. And I will say uh, to your point, Tia, you know uh, Spielberg not really buying into the whole streaming service aspect. Um, I feel as though directors are starting to understand that there will come a time when movie theaters don't exist anymore, um, and you'd rather jump on what's hot and write it knowing that, you know, if streaming services go out of business, we know it won't, but if it goes out of business five years from now, you can just revert back to doing regular theatrical releases rather than trying to 
you know, adjust to it, uh, you know, when it's too late. So to me, I like I like um, directors who are kind of like the streaming services is what works. I mean, and we've now seen that you could still be, um, you know, Oscar nominated by doing something on Netflix. Um, so it doesn't hurt anything that you're trying to do. You could do your um, your pure Oscar kind of movie. So to me, I kind of feel like he understands, Scorsese understands that. He wants to keep up with the times. Um, and he knows the best way to get people to see this is like, oh, Scorsese has a movie out on Netflix? Cool, I'm not doing anything this Sunday. I'll get the family together, you know, kind of cook out, and we'll sit down and watch The Irishman. Um, so to me, it's kind of just like it's smart. It's smart, and I kind of wish more and more directors would get used to the idea of, I would rather be able to sit on my couch and and enjoy this um, than to have to go to the movie theater. Um, so, you know, hopefully this is the start of Scorsese doing more and more films. Uh, Kanan, I was saying this earlier. I'm curious on, on your thoughts. Is there a Scorsese movie you could think of that you thought wasn't Oscar-nominated? I mean, wasn't Oscar-worthy? Because um, I was telling Tia, he's done Hugo, he's done Shutter Island, he's done... Uh, you know everything he's done, but Shutter Island to me was a shock that that movie got none of the recognition I thought it deserved. I think of all the, I think of, I think Shutter Island for sure is one of his most underrated films, and I right. think it's one of Leonardo DiCaprio's most underrated films. I thought for sure uh, Scorsese would have uh, gotten some recognition for that, or I thought even Leonardo DiCaprio would have gotten. Um, you know, some type of Oscar mention, uh, you know, or would have won the award for that um, because that was in kind of in line with some of his top, you know, some of the movies he was uh, doing around that time. It was that, um, Inception, uh, then he ended up doing uh, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, and then right. he finally won for The Revenant. Uh, but, I mean, I can't really, I mean, I'm trying to think because he did Wolf of Wall Street. That was a great movie, Casino. Uh, Gangs of New York, that's another underrated movie. I'm, I'm, I, I, I tell everybody, if you've not seen Gangs of New York, you need to see that movie. Some of the best performances ever from Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, Cameron Diaz is great in that movie, and Daniel Day-Lewis is phenomenal. That is my favorite movie for Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, I thought Aviator was great, um, which you, you see a, a pattern here. They all mostly have uh, – Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio um, right. He's done some other stuff that I'm not super familiar with, or stuff that he's been involved. Um, Hugo, but the I think Gangs of New York. People, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, people didn't really care for uh, Gangs of New York. Um, but no, I mean, for the most part, I mean, he he's a great filmmaker. I mean, his his mm-hmm. movies are compelling, and they they capture you. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely that's definitely two movies. I think if you if you haven't had a chance, check out Gangs of New York. I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised. And um, if you if you're not familiar or you want to revisit Shutter Island, I thought that was one of um, uh, Mark Ruffalo's best roles. Like everybody I'm talks about him in the MCU, he was really good in that movie. I mean, yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, uh, yeah. So. And I hate that. I hate that a lot of great actors get, you know, typecasted just because they're in the the Marvel world, and they're like, oh, he's not a good actor. Well, go look at some of Mark Ruffalo and other people's work before they join the MCU, 
and or you know even actors that are in the DC universe and you'll see that their best work is not actually in superhero movies um so yeah definitely check out Shutter Island and uh, Gangs of New York That is yeah, very true Oh, I just wanted to comment really quick because that was in a interview with Chris Evans recently where he said that his best work are movies that people haven't even watched. Yeah, I still to this day have no idea how The Losers and Push both don't have sequels. Um, both are really, really, really good movies. Uh, I love both of those movies, uh, but I came to the realization, well, all those actors that were in those movies are huge stars, and it, maybe it's impossible to get them all together to do um, either one of those movies again. But Push was one of my – that's my go-to Chris Evans movie. Like, it's not a, a Marvel movie. It's Push. I loved Chris Evans – Chris Evans, I'm sorry, in Push. Um, but, yeah, as far as Scorsese, uh, see, I remember I was telling you before the show, Shutter Island is the only Scorsese movie that everyone forgets that he directed. Um, because everyone kind of just goes, Shutter Island, what was that? And I'm like, oh, my God, it was such a good movie. It was a well, great I remember twist hearing at the end. it. I remember hearing it, and people talk about the great twist at the end, but no, I had no idea that was a Martin Scorsese film. Yeah. It, the only reason, because um, I remember my dad was telling me, he was like, I heard that there's this movie coming out with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese, and I was kind of like, I'm, I'm sold already. And then, um, you know, not long after, he's like, there's a trailer for it. We watched a trailer together, and we were like, yeah, well, we're 100% going to go see this. And I remember right after it came out, I was just waiting for it to be nominated for something. And I'm like, how is this not nominated? Leo, I think, Tana, correct me if I'm wrong, he did Shutter Island before Inception, um, or was it in the middle of Inception and Wolf of Wall Street? Uh, Shutter Island was way before Wolf of Wall Street. It was right. I want to say I think it was either right after Inception or before. Give me one second. I can take a look here and see. Yeah, um, I think it was. I wanted to. Inception say it was came before. out in 2010. Inception came out in 2010, and Shutter Island came out in 2010. So he did them in the same year. Oh wow! But they were so they wow. were probably just a couple of months apart. Yeah. Wow. Because I, I, I know the, the twist at the end of uh, Shutter Island, I was just kind of like, wow, I did not see that coming. Like, this is insane. And then I remember Inception's watching Inception. Inception's still the better movie. Oh, 100%. 100% it's the better movie. Um, but Shutter Island does deserve more respect than, it, than it's been given. Um, so that's definitely anyone out there who has not seen Shutter Island, didn't even know if it was, please go watch it. Really, really, really good movie. I'll probably watch it after this show. Um, but all right, let's move on. Excuse me. I was just curious to get your take. Cause me and Tia talked a little bit about um, Scorsese and you know how we view him. So I was curious on your on your take, Cannon. Uh Scorsese to me is quite like Tarantino. I don't recall the last bad movie. If there is even one he's made um, in the history of him being a director, so that's the reason I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, but let's move on. We got another uh, trailer that came out called The Hunt. Huge shout-out to Kanan um, for this recommendation. I, di- I didn't even know what this The Hunt was. Uh, you know what I got it mixed up with? I got it mixed up with um, that movie where the lady just got married and, like, the, the guy's family was trying to kill her. Uh, that's what I got it mixed up with. So I'm like, I, I saw see. this. Hide and seek. Thank you. 
I was like, I saw this. Like, I, I even thought I, we talked about this on the show, and I'm like, let me just type it in. And then I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, good thing I looked it up because I did not see this trailer. Um, Kanan, I'm actually going to go to you first. What were your thoughts on the trailer for The Hunt? I loved it. I did not see the teaser trailer for it, um, but I got an, got an email actually the day – the trailer actually came out early. It wasn't supposed to be released, so I'm glad we didn't post it because Universal was going back and telling everybody to remove it. Um, but I actually was like, okay, well, I really want to check this out. So I actually found a site that still had the trailer up, so I watched it early, and I loved it. I mean um, – I'm not too familiar with the star. I think her name is Beth Gilpin. Uh, I'm not familiar with her, but the the other cast um, looks really good. The premise of the movie isn't original um, because there's been other movies um, that have come out that focus on humans hunting humans. Um, but I love the cast. Um, uh, you know, it's got Justin Hartley. It's got um, Hilary Swank. Um Oh, the other names are getting by me here, but um, I, I just love the concept. I, I, I really thought the the trailer had some humor in it. Um, it's got, like I said, it's got a decent cast. You know, it's from Blumhouse, so you know that there's quality behind it. Um, but I mean, because honestly, I've, Blumhouse to me is one of the best um, production companies when it comes to horror movies. I think their quality is superb um for the low budget that they put into the films so uh yeah justin hartley uh or name's betty gilpin sorry emma roberts uh ike barinholtz um just you know just a really good uh cast all together i love ike barinholtz so i know he's going to be hilarious as hell in this movie um but i do feel that this second trailer was a little bit spoilerish. It almost like kind of showed a lot, um, much like Hobbs and Shaw. But I still enjoyed Hobbs and Shaw, and I think I'll enjoy this. Yeah, I think movies that um, that give you too much in the trailers, I think they do it because it's uh, like Hobbs and Shaw, for example. It's a summer movie, so I don't think outside of the two that you know about Canon, there wasn't much that was, that was a surprise of the movie. So it's like it's one of those popcorn flicks. So it's like if I ruined it for you in the trailer, like so what? Like still come see it because it's a fun movie. Um, it's it's when you get to the more serious movies that you're kind of like you should probably show as little as possible. Um, so it brings me in more. Um, but I don't have much to say about the trailer, so I'll keep my my thoughts more so to Blumhouse. I don't think Blumhouse gets enough recognition. Um, just, just as a, a studio, um, I think it's something that a lot of people probably don't know that some of their favorite films was, you know, under Blumhouse, uh, but they have a really, really, really good track record. Um, at least what came in the past five, five years, maybe a little bit more. I could be, uh, underselling it a little bit. Um, but they have a great track record. They have a few, a few misses, but overall they have a really good track record. Um, and I kind of do want to see Blumhouse kind of take, uh, you know, kind of dip into more aspects of movies, get, you know, get uh, different directors, kind of get guys that have done more serious projects, kind of get them to blend in to what Blumhouse uh, is doing. Uh, but I'm just really proud of Blumhouse, and I don't think they get enough recognition, so I wanted to give them uh, 
a shout-out. But um, excuse me, Tia, your thoughts on the hunt. I know you had a really good uh, comparison, um, so I wanted to make sure I didn't steal it from you. <laughs> so <laughs> go ahead and give me your thoughts on the hunt. Well, um, as Kanan said, the concept is not original. Automatically, when I saw it, it looked like an adult version of the Hunger Games and also uh, Battle Royale. I don't, I'm not sure if either of you have seen that movie, but it is the much darker and grittier version of Hunger Games. So you should probably check that out. Um, the Hunt, the main actress, which I forget her name now. Um, I know that you just said it, Kanan, but it now slips my mind. Uh, she was in the first season of American Gods, and I really liked her character there. So it was interesting to see her in this role as this really, like, kind of badass, almost stoic um, character. And I do like the idea of, okay, they've they've done this, whatever uh, company is behind this, uh, organ, you know, whatever organized thing, and she says that, this is the wrong group for them to have messed with this time. Obviously they're fighting back and they're not taking anyone's shit. I liked when I liked the trailer when she first walked into that gas station or whatever, she asks what state they're in and they, you know, give her that whole like, Oh, don't you know? Um, and that was great. And I, I recognize those actors from being in things, but I, I think what I liked most of all, not only her character, but how dark Hillary, uh, Hillary Swank was, because there's that one point where she's like, they're not people, um, they're just animals to be hunted, essentially, and whew, I've never seen her in that capacity before, so that was interesting. I don't think she has done a lot in, in the recent years, so to see her back at it and in this type of role was super interesting to me. I can't say if I'm actually going to go see this movie in theaters, but that's just because I don't see a lot of movies in movie theaters. But once it comes out, you know, and is maybe on any of the uh, streaming services or is even available to rent, I'll certainly watch it on a Saturday night when I feel like turning the lights off and being scared to shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, like I said, it looks like a fun time, um, but I don't have much more to add. Um, this might be a movie I might wait till like, Kanan sees, and Kanan's like, dude, like, go see it. It was, yeah. it was pretty good. Because, um, you know, we hold Kanan, Kanan's opinion in, in high regard. So, Kanan, you're going to be the guinea pig. You're going to go see it, and then you're going to tell us if we should see it, and then that's how we'll go see it. So, I have a question for Kanan. Now that I have them on the line, and this is completely um, off topic, but I think maybe I, like, misread your Twitter post. Did you say that you were online to go watch New Mutants? No, I said, I, <laughs> I said I'm in line waiting for New Mutants. Who's joining me? Because it was oh, supposed to I come was... out. It was Yeah, it was supposed to come out Friday. And of course it's not. It got pushed back. So I was being I was being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> well when we talked about it holding Kanan's opinion in high regards, I was like, Okay, if he's seen that, I'd like to know what he thinks of it. But I was like, if it's out there is this zero publicity, they just don't care anymore. They're like, Yeah, F it. If it makes like one dollar, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean I didn't I didn't see uh Dark Phoenix. Uh, which I have not seen it yet, 
so I went to the theater um, when I went to go see Hobbs and Shaw, and I was like, I was curious if maybe they had a showing afterwards. I could maybe sneak in there and watch it. There's no showing. Like, there's none for it. So, I mean, Disney was just like, I don't care. <laughs> I know you guys worked really hard on this movie, uh, but I, I, just, I really I could care less. It has nothing to do with our our profit, so, you know, we're, we're pulling it. <laughs> I was like, that's so disrespectful. <laughs> So that's why I said just throw new mutants in the garbage. Like don't don't waste your time, Disney. Um, but that, that is fun. Um, all right, let's move on to our last trailer. This trailer I actually saw before. Um, it was the trailer playing before Hobbs and Shaw, and that's 1917. Um, Tia, your name's not Tina. Um, Tia, I'm gonna start with you. Your thoughts on the trailer 1917. Well, I have been waiting for a trailer for this movie because a few people that um, are kind of on my radar are are in it. Obviously, we saw Benedict Cumberbatch is in it, but I believe also Andrew Scott has a role, even though I did not see him in the trailer. But it, you know, it's it's a wartime movie um, that I see some people comparing to Dunkirk, which I don't know why because it seems like the missions are completely different from both, but I guess there's perhaps the two war movies in the past couple of years being released. I'm not sure. I It, it definitely seemed intense. Um, it seems like there was just, you know, we're going to be watching it wondering if this guy is ever going to get the message across and be able to save his brother. I like how everything seemed to be kind of filmed within the le- uh, within the numbers 1917, like that scene at the end where he's running, trying to avoid being blasted and shot as the uh, frame kind of like minimizes in on him. So, you know, I like war movies. Um, I'll see them no matter what, and it looks really good. I don't know who exactly is directing this um movie, so I can't attest to that, but yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Okay. Yeah, I'm not really overly familiar with his work. I'm sure if you guys shouted out a movie, I would be, but it looked good. It looked heart racing, heart pounding, um, and that's the kind of uh, feeling you want from a war movie like this. Yeah, I mean, war movies, I am not a huge fan of them. Um, I actually go out of my way to avoid watching them. I still have not seen Dunkirk, but only because oh. it's stupid long. Um, so that's yeah. the only reason I have not seen Dunkirk. I'm, I'm sorry. You need to see I, Dunkirk. I told you, I I could only do a three-hour movie once a year, and I gave it to Endgame. Um, like, it too, I don't even know if I'm going to do. Uh, I just can't do that long sitting still. Um, but, yeah, I... I plan to watch Dunkirk. I mean, now that it's obviously out on DVD and stuff, I could watch it in, in spurts, and I have to watch it the full three hours. Um, but I'm just not really a huge fan of um, war movies. I, I'm not. Um, but, I mean, this did look good. Um, Sam Mendes, can't incorrect me if I'm wrong, was, is the director. I'm sorry, is the director. He, al- he also did what I think was the best of Daniel Craig's James Bond movies. Um but, yeah, so, I mean, I'm excited for the idea of Sam Mendes doing it. But outside of that, not really huge on uh, war movies. But, um, Kanan, your thoughts on 1970? I thought the trailer was great. I love war movies. 
and this movie looks gritty in the trenches, um, very Call of Duty like. I mean, it's got Cumberbatch, it's got Colin Firth. Um, it just looks good to me. It looks like one of the best war movies. I I really liked Dunkirk, but I didn't really like Dunkirk because of the war aspect of it. It was just more for the portrayal of the characters. Um, I think this movie um, kind of takes me back to Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan, um, Thin Red Line, uh, those type of war films. Um, the you know, like I said, it's got a it's got a really good cast. I, like I said, I just I thought it was like really good in the trenches. Um, Sam Mendes is a really good director. I totally 100% agree with you. Skyfall is uh, the best Daniel Craig James Bond movie um, ever made. Possibly um, one of the best Bond movies ever made in my lifetime. Um, so I think this is going to be a movie that people are going to really want to see. Even if you're not a war fan, um, I think you're just going to want to see it to appreciate uh, Mendez's work. Plus, you know the you know plus Cumberbatch and Firth and all those uh, people. So, I mean, I get if you're not into war films, uh, but I think some of those are uh, I think those are some of the best films ever made. So, like I said, if you haven't seen Saving Private Ryan, if you haven't seen Thin Red Line, uh, those are films you should definitely check out. Yeah, I mean, I just. I, I have my own personal reasons for why I do not uh, enjoy war movies, um, but I am not one of those people who thinks they aren't good. I just I don't watch them. <laughs> See, I told you I feel the same way with um, slavery movies. Like I can't watch them and view it as just a movie and then go, this is a really good movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I view it more personally. Uh, so it's like it, it's really hard to separate it. So I just don't watch them. Um, war movies to me are somewhat of the same thing, but like I said, um, I have huge faith in Sam Mendes. I actually wish Sam Mendes would stop being under a rock as much as he is and come out and do more movies. Um, because like me and Janet just said, Skyfall, I don't even think I could say arguably. I think it's definitively the best Daniel Craig James Bond movie. And I'm saying this before his last one even comes out. There won't be a better Daniel Craig James Bond movie than Skyfall. Um, I'd even say it had the best opening song of Daniel Craig's uh, James Bond movie. Um, so hats off to Sam Mendes. Uh, I just wish he would do more projects because he's super talented. Um, so hopefully this is the start of many. Uh, Kanan, I did want to ask you, um, and see, I'm going to pass this to you also. Do you think this gets a, an Oscar nod? From, did you get that, that vibe from the trailer, Kanan? Yeah, I, I did. I, I think I think the Oscar race is going to be pretty tight this year. So, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to cram eight or nine more movies into the best picture, but uh, 1917 definitely looks like it could be a contender. Okay. Uh, Tia, do you feel the same? Does this feel like an, uh, it'll get an Oscar nod? Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're going to be seeing movies like this and The Irishman in uh in this for the best picture i mean in general war movies do uh seem to get oscar nods a lot but this looks really well done so i would say that that's uh that would definitely be an oscar nod all right um i didn't necessarily get the feel of it but like i said there's an association with me and war movies so that's probably why but we are entering 
the Oscar, uh, the Oscar season. Um, Joker is on its way out. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The Irishman is on its way out. 1917 is on its way out. Um, so we're entering the Oscar season. So we'll have a better idea on who's going to be the standout. I really do hope Joker is a really good movie and is successful in the box office. Um, so it kind of forces itself to be taken seriously. Um, I, I really hope so. Um, what's his name? Phoenix looks like he, he did an amazing job. So hopefully it does get that done. Um, but all right, let's move on to our main topics. Let's talk a little bit. Tom Hardy. Um, this is why I tell Joel I leave all of my notifications on. Every big actor that has a project coming out that we haven't heard about, um, whether it's casting or stuff like that, I put their notifications on. Tom Hardy is one of them. So I get the notification, open it up, and all you see is him with – I can't even remember what the emojis were, but it's, um, it was the photo of um, – why can't I think of this man's name? Uh, Andy Serkis. Um, seemingly confirming that Andy Serkis is, you know, the director for Venom 2. It was quickly taken down, uh, of course, but it was a tease that possibly we could be looking at Andy Serkis as our new director. Now, I'd be fine with it. I'd be 100% okay with it. To me, if they feel that comfortable, it's something that Andy wants to do. It means he's going to take it seriously. Um, My thing is just this movie can't be like the first one. Like, I cannot leave this movie, like Venom 2, just saying, well, I was at least entertained. Because if I do, it's a failure all the way around. And I'm blaming everyone, top to bottom. Um, so if Andy Serkis is the best guy for the job, he um, he sat down with Tom and obviously Sony, pitched something really cool, um, then I'm all for it. But to me, a movie with Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson playing superhero characters should be the best of the best. Uh, we know Andy Serkis can act. That's not, that's not even up for debate. It's his directing. Um, I know a lot of people weren't that high on, on Mowgli, um, I believe was the uh, the movie he directed for, for Netflix. So hopefully, um, you know, he does better on this one. I have not seen it, so I'm not judging it. But, um, Kanan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, how did you like this piece? Was it one of those fun ones? Or was it just annoying? Because it, isn't it just easier just to say it's confirmed Andy Serkis is our new director for Venom 2? Like, what is all the, the you know, the playing games for? Um, I don't think you can confirm it. I think that either Hardy is campaigning in a way for Circus to be the director, so he posted that. Um, but normally actors don't break news without it being – first broke by a trade or by the studio. So that's what makes me think this isn't either this is either not confirmed or it is and he went ahead and kind of broke embargo and posted it and they're like, hey, 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 we're not ready to announce this. You know, we were in final negotiations, could be anything. We need you to delete that because everybody's starting to run with it. Uh, there was a site that ran with it as he confirmed and he really didn't confirm anything because he doesn't say welcome aboard Andy Circus or anything like that. He just posted the picture, he posted a couple of emojis, and then he deleted it. So it's not confirmed. Um and that's why I told you don't you know, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't act like it's confirmed and we're I'm not running with that. So that's why in the tweet I said it looks like he may have confirmed it. Um, you know, there's no official announcement or anything right now. So 
if Andy Serkis came aboard, that would be a huge win because he is a really good director. Um, Mowgli, I don't think, was Serkis's fault. He actually made a movie based on the actual book, so it was a little bit darker. I don't think Warner Brothers um, had the faith in it that they thought they uh, were going to, uh, plus Disney kind of released their film ahead of time. And so they, you know, they end up sending it to to Netflix, and you know that's where it went. Uh, but Circus, I think, would be a, um, a good director for the film. But I don't know that I really would like to see him tied down with that. I'd like to see him, you know, do more acting. And I mean, I would love for him to, you know, team back up with Matt Reeves for something, you know, with with the Batman. I think Travis Knight um, would probably be. Um, a good director to come on board. I think he did a really good job with uh, Bumblebee. Uh, I think he's a hot commodity right now. I think he would be suited for that because I think he is in more in tune with, um, you know, that genre. Not that Circus isn't. I just don't know that um, – I just think Knight would probably do more for Venom than Circus would. Like I said, I think Circus is better – um, left to just kind of doing more acting and stuff like that. See, I can't remember his name. I'm going to actually look it up, but I, I was I was telling Tia, I'm actually a huge fan of the other director um, whose name was in the pool for directing uh, the Venom sequel. I can't think of his name, but he directed the first Planet of the Apes. Um, and I love that movie. I think it's hands down the best uh, out of all of them. Um, but um, the first no, movie I, has heart and it has a really good um, portrayal from James Franco, but it's not the best of the Planet of the Apes films, in my opinion. I feel like the second movie was was the better version. Um, the last movie wasn't terrible, um, but I feel like it just kind of it kind of went all over the place. Um, but I I can't think of the other actor uh, the other director's name either because, like I said, I think Circus would be all right, but I think Travis Knight would do really good. Rupert Wyatt. Rupert Wyatt is his name. Um, I thought the first one was freaking amazing. I, again, uh, it, it's it's our opinion, so there's no need for an argument about it. Uh, not saying either one of us are doing it, but I, I enjoyed the second one. The third one I thought was more of a definitive end than, um, this, you know, it wasn't really a great movie. It just was a great end. It was a great, uh, you know, ending to the, the chapter of The Planet of the Apes. Um, but Rupert, I thought, did such a great job with the emotion, with the feeling, with all the motion captures and everything that he was able to um, to get out of everyone. It was just a really, really, really good movie. Um, Travis is probably going to get the job because he's the most uh, – he's the hottest name of the three because out of the three he has the more recent uh, hit. So to me, he probably will be the guy that gets the job, and I won't have an issue with it whatsoever. Um, but I like Rupert Wyatt. Um, the way he directs. And the guy that, uh, he works with John Goodman a lot. So it's like, if you can give me John Goodman in Venom 2 somehow, uh, I'd love it. But um, to me, it's one of those things to where it's like, I get what you were saying about it's not really confirmed, but that's why I hate when actors do that. Like, Tom Hardy does have the power, uh, and you're kidding yourself if you don't think he does. He does have the power to go to Sony and go, hey, like, how are negotiations going? Oh, you guys, it, it's good? all right, I'm going to release the, you know, the photo and cause chaos. To me, I don't think if you're Tom Hardy, you need to campaign for anything you want 
because it's more so Sony trying not to lose you than you trying not to lose the role. I, I don't think you need this if you're Tom Hardy. Um, so to me, I think you allow Tom Hardy to pick who he wants to work with. Uh, he's obviously the more passionate one out of everybody involved. Um, but to me, just make it a good movie. It doesn't matter which of the three you pick. I think all three of them are really good directors. Just please make it good. Tia, um, your thoughts on this. Um, and I want to ask you, because I don't remember how, how what you, uh, if you like Venom or not, but um, is, is this, does this sequel need to be better than that first one? Or do you think it can kind of ride ride along with what the first one did and, you know, just be something that's entertaining that somehow miraculously does really good in the box office? Well, I will say that I surprisingly liked Venom. I walked into the movie with super low expectations and walked away really enjoying it. I obviously felt that there were flaws and there were certain things that needed to be tightened up a little. I felt that it was super short for some reason. Um, for for some reason, it felt like it was under two hours, um, which I think it was two hours, but I don't know. It, it, I walked down and I was like, shit, that's the time? I thought we would have been in there for, like, much longer. But um, so I, I think that it certainly needs to be better. I'm not saying that I necessarily dislike the first one, but if they don't at least, try to improve on the first one, then I will say, okay, you guys aren't being very, um, you know, mindful of the criticism and, you know, looking back and seeing how can we improve. So that's the one thing I will say. And I do apologize. What was the first half of the question? (laughs) No, you're completely fine. You're completely fine. I asked like eight questions. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, I, I think I did start of ask you, uh, did you enjoy the movie? But um, I do want to know, because obviously I forgot what I originally asked you, but I do want to know, um, to me, does it bother you when, when actors do stuff like that? Like they give you teases, um, and then it's something that turns out to not be true. And it's kind of like, well, what was the point of that? Like, you know, like picture if you're a huge Andy Serkis fan and you wanted him to direct this movie and Tom Hardy does that. Um, but then no one tells you whether it's confirmed or not. Like, it can drive a person crazy. Um, Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is that annoying to you? Well, I mean, to me, not that I, like, know Tom Hardy personally or anything, but I feel like he probably just posted it because he thought that that was the case that Andy Serkis is locked in as that role. And he wants to start maybe promotion on Venom too, and then obviously he was told to take it down. As far as Andy Serkis directing Venom, I mean, I'm not overly familiar with his directorial work, but I'm obviously very familiar with his acting work. So I think that, you know, maybe he has some really good ideas, and maybe he is planning on taking it into a different direction that needs to be how it is because Carnage is going to be in there. You know, Woody Harrelson is going to be involved. So I think that would certainly be interesting, but I do agree that it might be given to Travis Knight, certainly just because he is the he's the hot name right now. Um, he, he's been killing it, and you know who he is. You know how successful he is and what he did um, for, say, like the Bumblebee movie, and I would 
think that if I were Sony looking at that, you would want a little bit of that for your um, studio just so not only can you, you know, give, like, not only can you earn faith amongst the fans for this whole Venom universe that you are building, but also just, you know, making money, essentially, because people have seen the first Venom, and while, say, you and I thought it was entertaining, other people really disliked it, and they might may not be there for the second one, but if they see that, say, Travis Knight is getting his hands on it, they might say, well, you know what, maybe I'll go back and take a look at it, because at least it's not, you know, the guy from the last time, and we did see what he has done with Bumblebee, and so maybe he'll do the same with Venom, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, the first Venom, if you're not a diehard Venom fan, I think you thought it was fine. Um, but if you're a diehard Venom fan, I don't think that was the movie for you. I, I don't think it it lended itself to um, to the fan base of people that, that are huge fans of Venom, like, Throwing she venom in there was pretty cool. The end credit scene, knowing that you're leading to carnage, was cool. Um, but one of my best friends, Andrew, is a huge venom fan, and he kind of was like, it felt yucky a bit. Like it just kind of didn't feel um, good. Uh, but I mean, it leaves you room for improvement. Like you watch the first Hulk, then you watch Incredible Hulk. There was improvement. Um, obviously, not necessarily the same continuity, but it, it was an improvement. It was a better movie than the first. So if I can get that from Venom 2, uh, I think I'll be fine. But to me, the biggest thing is if Andy Serkis wants to be a part of it, obviously he's passionate about it. Um, I only want people that are passionate about what they're doing uh, rather than just, you know, trying to do the, the cash grab. Um, but hopefully it's none of that and we can get a really good Venom 2. All right, let's move forward. Um, David Leach, I think I'm pronouncing his last name incorrectly. Leach? Leach? Cannon Leach, how do you pronounce it? Yeah, it's David Leach. David Leach, okay. David Leach also did a John Wick movie in Deadpool 2, right? Am I remembering this correctly? Yes, he did uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, He's done... uh, uh, Did he do Deadpool? Yeah, Deadpool 2. He did Deadpool 2. Right. Yeah, because Tim Miller um, did the first Deadpool. And it's on the lawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. Him wanting – okay, so let me introduce the topic. So David Leach wants a shot at directing uh, Blade. Cool. Everyone probably does because Mahershala is attached to it. And it's a Marvel project. Um, I don't think David is a bad director. I did not like Deadpool 2. Um, but I do not know that that was his fault. It kind of felt like Fox was really pushing um, X-Force, which is fine, but it just shouldn't have been shoved in my face as much as it was. Um, so that I was kind of rocking on. Hobbs and Shaw is just a popcorn flick. Like, I mean, for a popcorn flick, it was really good. Um, but that's about the height of, of my feeling towards that movie. Um, and John Wick, Keanu is just amazing at John Wick. I think Plankton from Ed, Ed, and Eddie could direct a John Wick movie, and Keanu would find a way to make that movie really, really entertaining. Um, so I don't really know how I feel about David as a director, um, so I don't know. But to me, I want to wait to see what other names are interested in directing Blade. Um, this, I, I don't want to jump on it because it's the 
the first name and I know who David is. Um, I want to see what other names are circulating. Uh, but this is a project that I'm sure Feige wants to fast track, but not that fast. Um, so, I mean, this is just one of the few names I'm pretty sure we're going to start hearing more and more about. Um, but, Tia, what, what are your thoughts on David Leach? I know I'm pronouncing this wrong, but David Leach wanting a <laughs> shot at directing Blade. I mean, at first I didn't think that it was really that bad of an idea. I personally liked Deadpool 2. I really like the style of Atomic Blonde. So um, with those kind of two movies down uh, underneath his belt as well as the first John Wick, I mean, I haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw, obviously, but I thought that those were at least three good examples as to why maybe this guy would be a pretty good um, option. I'm not saying necessarily that I like him campaigning and absolutely want him, I would be interested to see who would kind of step up and also say that they're interested in filming this. Um, what was I going to say? Oh my gosh. Let's get a, let's get the guy who um, was behind uh, Luke Cage, right? What, what was his name again? Chio Hidari. Yeah. yeah <laughs> let's get him. Let's get him to uh, do Blade. He's already had the experience at Marshall. I'm obviously kidding here, but um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would be interested to see who else would want to direct this film, but as far as David Leach, I mean, I didn't really have any sort of negative feelings towards that. I just thought based on what I saw he's been involved in, that those would be pretty good examples for his resume. Yeah, like, I, he's not a horrible, I don't think he's a bad director at all. Um, I just wasn't that blown away by Deadpool 2. I thought Atomic Bond was, was good. I thought John Wick was good. And I thought Hobbs and Shaw was a really good popcorn flick. Um, so I don't really know how to gauge him, really. I want him to kind of do something that kind of feels different than everything he's, he's, he's done. Um, like Tim Miller doing Deadpool and then doing Terminator. Like you're going to get a, diff- a different feel between the two of those movies. Um, they're going to be drastically different. Um, but Kanan, your, your thoughts on David Leach wanting a shot at Blade? Um, is he somebody that you'd be okay with, or is there another name out there that you'd like to see? I mean, Blade is going to be so far off. I mean, it's a Phase Five movie that I really haven't put much thought into it. Um, I really just feel like it was way of Marvel's, uh, you know, kind of like their fireworks, their you know their way to end the the show for uh, Comic Con and. I mean, there's still a lot of work that's going to go into it. I mean, it's not something that they're really uh, putting a ton of thought into at the moment because they have all these other movies uh, that they're going to be working on. As far as David Leach, I think he would be a great director for the film. Um, I don't want people to feel like you have to have a person of color be a director. I mean, I think that would be great. Um, But Marvel has done a good job of going out and finding the director that they feel is best fit for the job. If that's David Leach, that's David Leach. If it's uh, you know Jordan Peele or whoever they want to get to direct the film, then you know they're going to make um, the right decision. And so far, Marvel has earned the right to pick and choose who they want to, and fans don't really get to say. And I think that they've done a good job. They've proven that they find the right director to fit you know the story that they want to tell, and. Uh, you know, you named off all of Leach's films, and all of those films have done really well. Um, Atomic Blonde, John Wick, 
Uh, even Hobbs and Shaw show that he can handle action very well. Um, he can handle close hand-to-hand combat fighting, uh, which is something that Blade is going to, you know, utilize. Um, Deadpool um, was different because they really went, they went a little bit more Hollywood with it, you know, as far as budget goes. Um, there were a lot of things I loved about Deadpool 2 that I liked better than the first Deadpool. Um, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't – and David Leach is even doing the Division movie with Jake Gyllenhaal and Jessica Chastain. So I wouldn't look at this as like his body of work and say that you don't think he's done enough. I think he's done quite enough to warrant being able to take on the Blade film. I mean, the first Blade director was Stephen Norrington. I don't know what he's done since then, but – I thought he did a pretty good job with that, and I think David Leach is a bigger director than uh, Stephen Norrington. Um, you know, so like I said, we as fans, we got to just sit back and let Marvel do their thing. And like I said, so far, um, you know, they've made a pretty good uh, choice with who they've picked to direct films. Um, you know, different styles, of course. You know, um, with the Thor films, I really thought Branagh's. Uh, first Thor was was done really well, so, but like I said, um, I wouldn't look at Bleach's work and say if he can or can't. I honestly think he can. Yeah, no, I'm <clears throat> the the biggest point I was trying to make is I. It's not that I don't think he's done enough. It's not that I don't think he's a good director. I just couldn't gauge from the movies he's done because they all feel the same. Um, so, like, I have not seen him direct something that felt different. And although Blade has elements of action in hand-to-hand, it's a more complex story than just that. Like, Atomic Blonde was just your, your run-of-the-mill uh, – let me not say run-of-the-mill. It was, it was just a, a regular action movie. John Wick is just a regular action movie. Deadpool. No, um, no, 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 dude. No, dude. No. John Wick is a regular action movie? Dude, that's some of the John best. Is a regular John Wick is some of the best. No, no, dude. There's much more to it, and there's way much more to uh, to Atomic Blonde than just an action movie. I don't know what you're watching. Maybe you're just seeing it from that how perspective deep, that hey, this is just an action movie. Going, there's a how deep are you going about a story about a guy whose dog dies and car got stolen? Like it, it, that's essentially all John Wick was. Like it's not it's not a deep movie. What I'm saying? No, dude, you're Blade. you're you got to immerse yourself in that world. You're you're in that atmosphere. You're in the the mob, the hitman, assassin world. And I think okay, that I it's think... the world that's built around it that is that people uh, are excited about. That's why they're talking about doing a continental spinoff because of the world that John Wick lives in and fights in, and that they've introduced. Just like Atomic Blonde, you had. Uh, you know, you've got Charlie Theron doing a great performance, uh, and you're in that '80s vibe, that that you know espionage, uh, assassin style. You know, not just looking at it for the action. I mean, you got to you know kind of be in the moment that the world around those characters are built, and I think that's what makes people excited for it. It's just like Harry Potter. Every Harry Potter movie is about magic. But, dude, when you go and you watch those movies, you, you get – and it's like Star Wars or anything else, dude. You get goosebumps because of the world they've built. That's why people go to Harry Potter and Universal 
because and they go in there and they're like, oh my god, I'm at three broomsticks or I'm at Ollivanders. This was just like in the movie. That's what those characters have created. That's why I think, um, you know, that's why I'm saying like you have to look at those movies just more than just action. I mean, John Wick two and three are better than the first movie. That's a testament that Leach isn't a good director. I don't know, but I mean, I guess maybe you could say so. But all I'm saying is for what Leach has done. He's got a pretty good track record, dude. I mean, his I don't think he's got too many busts. So that's what I'm going right. off of. Yes, but again, hear me. I'm not saying he's not a good director. I want to see him do something different than what you Well, the division will be different. The division, the division will, be, different. will be an action movie. It's an action movie. I've we don't know what it's gonna. We don't know. Movie. We don't know what it's. We don't know what it's gonna be about. It could be a drama. It could be a, a thriller like uh, Zero Dark Thirty. We don't know what it's gonna be about yet. Okay, I will tell you this: every movie you just named of his is an action movie, Kanan. They're all just dude. Action Zero movies. Dark Thirty. Zero Dark Thirty is a lot more than an action movie. It, no, it won David. an Oscar. How is it? Yes, dude, it's more than an Oscar. Uh, no. Hurt Locker, saying, I mean, it could be like that. I mean, you don't know, dude. It could be anything. All I'm saying is, I didn't say it was a run of the mill. I didn't say it was a typical. They're action movies. It, it's not deeper than just being an act. If you took all the action out, you tell me John Wick has such a compelling story that would draw in the same people? No, it's the action that people like. Harry Potter, it's a fantasy. You take all of the, the magic out of that movie, no one's flocking to, to go see those movies or go to a theme park about just the story. It's the fantasy of it. They love the fantasy of it. All I'm saying is he makes really good action movies. I need Blade to be more than a really good action movie. So I want to see him do something else. That, so the say, first Blade was an action movie. Did you not enjoy elements. the first Blade? Did you not enjoy the first Blade movie? All three of the Blade movies were just action movies. That's why I'm saying I want more than it just being an action movie. I would like layers what, to my Blade. What do you want from Wesley it? What do you want layers. from a movie? What do you want from if a movie that's about a, 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 a ninja vampire, dude? I mean, what more do you want? So wait, so I can't want more from Blade, but you're telling me John Wick is compelling. Like, it's such a compelling story, too. I'm saying, what, do you, what are you expecting from Blade? What what kind of layers, dude? I mean, you're not going to get drama or nothing like that. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I don't know what – what do you want? Do you want horror? Are you want it to be like a thriller? So, let me like ask Guillermo you del Toro's Blade? Let me ask you this. Didn't Iron Man 3 feel different than Iron Man 2? Wasn't it more oh, of a uh, – you picked, you picked the most garbage Marvel movie outside no, of Thor the no, Dark no, 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 World no. to compare. Forget forget <laughs> how the movie was, the tone of the movie, it being more serious, diving into his post-traumatic stress. It dived, and it's, it, and it dove fan, into it more. It, it did, and it was terrible. It was terrible. The movie was bad, but it wasn't because it, it dug into his PTSD. The movie was just bad. It got away. The movie got away from what works, and that's why fans and what was that? don't Iron think Man it's one of trash. Dude, Iron Man Two was better than Iron Man Three. Not saying much. <laughs> that's like saying Thor I mean, Two was I better. I mean, say, Thor I One was better than Thor Two. That's not saying much. No, I and I agree, but they got. A, but that's what I'm saying, dude. You took what worked for the first Thor film, and then you got a new director, and you did Thor 2, and it was eh. And then Thor 3 comes in and totally changes things up. 
Whereas you're comparing Iron Man 3 with Shane Black, who tried to come in, like you said, he tried to focus more on the PTSD stuff, and fans just are not going for that, dude. I mean, that's not something that they wanted. So I'm not really sure where you're trying to, what you're saying you want Blade to be about. You need to tell me what you want to see out of Blade. Do you want it to be a horror-type film? Do you want it to be um, a more serious, grounded film? I mean, because you don't want action, apparently. You don't want just an action film. What are you wanting from it? I mean, I just don't think you're going to get what you want because we're talking about Marvel, dude. I mean, they have their moments of drama, but then they throw in dick jokes and everything else to make you laugh. It's like one minute they want you to cry, and the next or, the next moment they're talking about farts and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, what do you want from David Leach if he becomes director? What do you want to see him do? Listen to me. I'm going to say it again because I feel like I've said it 30 times. Be layered. Infinity War, layered. Endgame, layered. They were layered. They weren't just one thing. They were layered. So I'm saying – But you're talking about an event film – but you're talking about an event film with multiple characters compared to one. Okay. That's Winter a big Soldier. difference, dude. Winter Soldier wasn't layered. It was just one-dimensional. I mean, and you're comparing the Russo brothers to – I mean, I, but I don't – but I get – but there was drama <laughs> and there was layers in the John Wick film. That's why I don't get what you're saying. We're spending way too much time on this. We're going to have to have a All debate I, show, dude, for real. But I'm just All telling you, dude, saying, you act like there's no layers to John Wick. I don't get what you're saying. There's more than just action in that film. Because if you watch Winter Soldier and you watch that movie in its entirety, it's a spy thriller. It's not called an action movie. It's a spy thriller. If you watch John Wick, they call it an action-adventure movie. It's an action movie. That's it. That is it. That is all people go see John Wick for. No one says, yo, did you see it? It's a really good story. No one says that. It was really good action. What I'm saying is I've seen three Blade movies, a show, an animated show, but I want more than it just being I got my sword and I'm cutting up vampires. Layer yourself. Spawn is layered. Okay. Okay. He's layered. Layer him a bit. But let's move on. Um, all right. So we got uh, some Black Adam news. I guess it's news. I, it's, when The Rock speaks about Black Adam, I, I don't really know how to take any of it. Um, but apparently some of the news is Black Adam's looking to start filming, hopefully, in summer of 2020. Kanan, there were some other news to come from it, um, but how much – should I take this with a grain of salt that they're looking to start filming next summer? I don't know, man. I mean, you know how The Rock is. He's he's busy, and I, I feel like <laughs> right. we haven't heard from Tia – I feel like we haven't heard from T in like four hours, so we definitely gotta we definitely gotta go to her next. But uh, um, as far as Black Adam goes, I mean it's something, and it's the fact that The Rock is actually talking about Black Adam uh, is what gets people excited because he was like the first DCEU character um, cast, and he's not been in a movie since then. And there's all this rumor going around that uh, you know he's prime for a marvel film i mean it's just like oh my gosh dude are they ever going to get this made uh i mean it's it's a shock that he's actually hung on this long uh but yeah there's some some good news he did say that they they plan to start shooting in the summer of 2020 uh that the director is on officially um they like the story that he's he's put together uh they're gonna kind of go through um showing black adam how he 
you know, how he becomes the villain. Um, they want it to be kind of a he want they want Black Adam to be the dirty Harry of superheroes. Um, so it almost seems like they're going more the anti-hero route um, with Black Adam. Uh, but they did, you know, um, Hiram Garcia, which is the producer on a lot of the Rock's films, uh, said that they've not done any costume fitting yet, but they do have a design uh, for the outfit. Um, so it's just trying to get, um, you know, the Rock, you know, at a point to where he can um, actually test and and do all that stuff. And right now, I think he's fixing, or if he's not already filming, he's fixing to start filming. Uh, Red Notice, and once that's finished, then he'll get into Black Adam. Um, so, you know, hopefully this happens, man, because, uh, you know, like I said, he's he's been he was cast before Henry Cavill was even cast as Superman, and uh, we we've been waiting a long time to, uh, you know, to see you know The Rock actually join the the DC universe. Yeah. It's, it's- been for forever. Uh, Tia, I want to kind of ask you uh, two different questions, and I'm going to remember both of them this time. Uh, <laughs> the first question is, how much stock do you put into The Rock saying uh, they hope filming begins uh, in summer of next year? And do you like the idea of Black Adam being an anti-hero? Like, I know he was in the comics, but to me, I kind of feel like both superhero worlds with Marvel and DC uh, throughout the years, they've built up really good villains, but they don't seem to keep them. Um, so to me, if you have a really good villain, keep it. Like the Rock is box office, whether he's a good guy or bad guy. Um, so so how, how do you view that too? Well, first of all, what seems to be dragging its feet longer this Black Adam movie or New Mutants being released because this is insane. Everything that we hear about Black Adam, I just, all right, yeah, The Rock says that they hope to be filming in 2020. I hope next month I get a check for a million dollars. Is it going (laughs) to happen? No. I mean, he can sit there all he wants. I mean, I have no doubt that The Rock is enthusiastic about this project and he still wants to be Black Adam, which is why he's probably held on for as long as he has. But in the end, that's not really up to him. And again, as Keenan said, the man is busy. Whether he comes out with good movies like Hobbs and Shaw or bad movies like freaking Skyscraper, he is doing it. And I think he's still involved with, um, with the show Ballers. So he's busy. So there could come a point where everything else is done and everything else is like, okay, we're ready to bring the rock in. And then he goes, no, sorry, I got all this other shit going on. I can't. So I don't really put a lot of investment into that. Um, At this point, I'm not going to believe anything until I actually see a trailer. When I finally see a trailer, that's when I'm going to be like, oh, wow, they actually were working on this. But, and as far as him being an anti-hero or being like a full on villain, I mean, I think you guys know that I don't know a whole lot about this character, but I kind of think that you should go the villain route because if you're hoping to introduce him within the Shazam um, franchising universe, then you need to have it where he's the adversary and we're not going to necessarily be rooting for him. You want to be rooting for Shazam. So, I mean, 
I I guess in my head that it would make more sense if they made him a villain, but it would have to be one of those things where he's like a, it's like a hard anti-hero. It has to be like, I don't know, Frank Castle in the beginning of Daredevil season two, you know, like really just like dark. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just, it's it's stressful because I kind of feel like in the back of the rock's mind, he's like, hey, let's hold off filming. Like, I am working on something else. Like, I am. So let's hold off, see if Feige has something for me. Um, but no, in all seriousness, it, it, it's just, he's been casted for so long. But this is why uh, me and Kanan had this talk around when Shazam came out. This is why it was important for him to be in Shazam. Because if we could have seen him in Shazam, the need for a Black Adam movie would not be this high. Because we could have said, well, at least we've seen what he looks like. We see that he's super powerful. We see how he kind of plays next to um, Zachary Levi. So we wouldn't have as many questions. And we could sit back and kind of go, well, whenever they make Black Adam, they make it. But at least I know what he looks like. He looks dope. Um, we kind and of then, saw, like, how strong he was. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And then you can kind of work backwards. You could have had him at first introduced as the villain in Shazam. And then in his in his own movie, be presented as an antihero. Right. I mean, you you had better options than you do right now, uh, which is where people stand. So where they're kind of just like, yeah, I don't know if this is really gonna happen. But I mean, look, if they go the story route that they're saying, possibly Hawk, uh, Hawkman, Hawk uh, Woman, or Hawk Girl, whatever you call her. Um, it's entertaining. Like that sounds really dope. I would love to see that play out, but it's just a matter of it's. A, I I'm with you. I will believe it when I see him in costume on set because that means they're filming. So that is when I can 100% go. You know what? They finally did it. They're making a Black Adam movie. But all the pressure would be off of him if he had just done. Um, you know, and again, he didn't have to be the main villain in Shazam. Just be a cameo in it. Uh, so where you're you're in a scene with, with Zachary Levi, um, and it's Black Adam warning Shazam of, if you get in my way, I will stop you. Something like that. So we kind of like, yeah, like this, it's going to be dope when we finally do see them face off. Um, they could have done – I'm sorry if he's interrupting you. I was just going to say, they could have done what they did in Venom at the very end you have Woody Harrelson show up, you know, and you know who he is, you know what's happening, you know what's coming. You could have done that instead of that stupid, headless Superman post credit scene. I'm sorry. But you could have definitely utilized that because maybe The Rock then would have had at least a second to film one little post credit scene. Yeah, to me, that, that's all I needed, and it would have cured a lot. Um... So to me, it's just to the point to where it's like, you now have all the pressure on you. So let's see, you guys can pull it off, and hopefully it's really good. Um, that, that's the best you can ask for. Just be good. Uh, that's all I ask for. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, this topic I want to throw in so we, um, you know, make sure we have enough time to. I know Kanan definitely wanted to talk about this, but I'll start with you, Tia. Former Flash directors uh, are doing a Dungeons and Dragons movie. I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I barely even know what it is. I assume it has Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but Tia, 
what does this news mean for you? Uh, were you ever a fan of Dungeons and Dragons? Literally the only thing I knew growing up was, so background story really quick. In my high school days, I was very much like the goth kid. And my dad decided that nicknaming me Dungeons and Dragons seemed appropriate for that type of attire that I decided to wear back then. So up until, so there was that. And then there was Stranger Things, because that's what they play is Dungeons and Dragons. And that's about it. It's a board game that I know you create a fantasy pretty much of. Um, Deborah Ann Wool, the actress who plays Karen Page in the Netflix Marvel Universe, is very much a fan of Dungeons and Dragons. And they featured it a few times on iZombie. So pretty much what I'm saying is, Anything I know about Dungeons and Dragons comes from other mediums, and since um, since uh, I had no interest in the Flash movie, this is all around one of those things. Like I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I, like I said, I've never ever played, and it wasn't like you know, I didn't think it was cool or anything. I just didn't know anyone who played Dungeons and Dragons. So to me, it was always just something people spoke about, but I've never uh, seen someone play it. Um, To me, me, Dungeons and Dragons Dragons is very much an 80s thing because, like, I'm a 90s kid, so growing up, people were either playing with Pokemon cards, Digimon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and then when Magic the Gathering, you know, kind of made its surface. Like, but for me, I never saw anyone in real life playing Dungeons and Dragons. It, it looks like it takes so much effort because you have to create a campaign and you have to, like, it seems like it lasts hours. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I would love to watch someone play it so I could finally say, like, I've seen it, but I just... I wasn't cool enough. Um, um, your thoughts on the former Flash directors doing a Dungeons and Dragons book? I think everybody that is a fan of Geek Vibes Nation just asked you both to turn in your geek cards because you are <laughs> fake geeks. Legit fake geeks. Like, we've honestly, honestly, we've been called out. Honestly, we've been called out online before as being called the Big Bang Theory of geeks, where we're we're just fake geeks, you know, like we're not true hardcore geek nerds or whatever. And I've defended us tooth and nail, and you two just go and completely ruined it. So okay, thank wait, wait. you so I, much. To, to be I fair, to defend, hang on, I wanted to defend it go. for two seconds. So, like in rock music, right? There's different types of rock. There's hair metal, there's thrash metal, there's this metal, that metal, da, da, da. It, It's like geek, geekiness. Like, everyone has different levels of geekiness. So, yes, we are not those types of geeks, but we don't hate on those types of geeks. The Dungeons right. & Dragons geeks are welcome. Yeah, 100%. And we are a collection of geeks. So whatever one doesn't have, the other picks up on so if one or two or maybe three out of the 30 of us uh, have played Dungeons & Dragons, it, it, it balances itself out. But I don't think we all needed to have played it um, to be considered actual hardcore geeks. I would challenge whoever called this out. I would challenge their geek card 
um, any day, any time uh, for calling us out, you know? So to me, I get it. We're going to get a little slack for never played Dungeons and Dragons. But again, I obviously wasn't cool enough to have people around me um, that played it. So, I mean, like I said, when someone wants to come show me how to play it, I'm down. I'm completely open to it. Oh, my gosh. I would love to know how far your geekdom really goes, Juwan. It's pretty – I mean, it depends on how you define it. I mean, you asked me about comics and stuff, like, I got you. But you asked me about Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. I've never played it. I don't know. Kanan's so disappointed okay. right now. <laughs> I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is like the original – RPG game. I mean, the original tabletop RPG. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of work that went into it because you were creating, you know, you were pretty much like your own developer. You were like the guy that sits behind the computer and codes the games nowadays. You were creating this world of imagination. So, I mean, there was, yeah, it took a lot of time, but I mean, I don't want people to think that all of our geekdom comes from having to go back and watch Stranger Things. I mean, the fact that you said you didn't even really know what it was, like, appalls me when Stranger Things Season 3 talked about Dungeons & Dragons, like, literally every freaking episode, Will's like, are we playing D&D? Are we playing D&D now? Can we play Dungeons & Dragons? Can we play Dungeons & Dragons? And, like, you're like, I don't really know what Dungeons & Dragons was, you know? At least Tia said, well, you know, I watched Stranger Things, and they played it in iZombie. Uh, I mean... Oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know what to say about you, Juwan. I wish I was running the board so I could just hang up on you and cut you <laughs> off for the rest of the day. But um I respect mine. Anyways, let me let me just get back to the question. You asked me about the Flash directors. Uh so they're off the Flash, um, and they're on to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, they did a great job with game nights. So I mean they have a love of you know what the fuck Dungeons and Dragons is, so I'm glad somebody does. Um and you know, it's been talked about here and there. But I thought, uh, if I rem- if my memory serves me correctly, was there ever an announcement that Chris McKay was off of it? Because I thought Chris McKay was doing Dungeons and Dragons. Chris am McKay, I, am I wrong? You're not. But wrong. am I wrong? But am I wrong on that? But am I wrong on that, Juwan? Was Chris McKay not uh, announced as the director for Dungeons and Dragons? And nothing ever came out that said he wasn't doing it. Like that was the reason why. He stopped doing uh, like he he stopped talking about Nightwing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, so you're completely right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's what that's what I thought. So yeah, Chris McKay was really supposed to do Dungeons and Dragons, and now I don't know if maybe they're gonna now that uh, Goldstein, uh, you know, and uh, oh, I can't think of the other guy's name now. Uh, oh, what's a uh, Daily Daily and Goldstein? Now that they're yeah. is that is that isn't yeah so now that they're off of uh, the Flash maybe they're gonna say hey you know Chris McKay we're gonna bring you back and maybe you can work on Nightwing now or something or work on another superhero film I'm not sure but I was pretty sure that he had, he was signed on for Dungeons and Dragons uh, and it's crazy man there was like never announcement that said he was off of it so I don't know what the hell is going on over there man but uh, and no I mean they it really is. But no, he did a great. I mean, they they did a great job with uh, Game Night. I thought it was one of the uh, one of the breakout films from last year. Uh, I think it surprised a lot of people. Um, I would love to see a sequel to that movie. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not sure where they're going with it. Um, I'm one of the few people that actually liked Battleship. That was um, a movie that was taken from the board game. I'm, have you ever played Battleship? Um, 
Yes, I Juwan, have. I'm just asking. I mean, I'm not sure how far your geekdom card goes, but <laughs> just want to see if you've actually played Battleship. Board, but, uh, I've played Battleship, board so. I've played. Regular board games I've played. Like, come on, man. Like, I've played regular <laughs> board games. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Dungeons & Dragons will be just – I don't want to – I mean – I want it to be kind of like a barbarian type movie. I'd really like it to be, you know, kind of a gritty, raw, um, you know, just kind of fantasy. Maybe they could do it like, uh, um, like labyrinth like, or something like that. Do we think it's going to be like Page Master or something, where like they're actually playing the board game and get sucked into the world of Dungeons and Dragons, or is it going to? You mean like Jumanji? Jumanji, yeah, Jumanji, really nice. Uh, I think they could have got away with that if Jumanji, if the the last two, you know, Jumanji and then the the new movies coming out, if they had uh, if they hadn't come out with that, I think fans would have been like, oh, this is kind of a cool nod to Jumanji. But since we're getting, since we've got two new Jumanji films, I don't know that that would really work. Um, I get what you're saying because I remember Page Master, um, but I think it would be kind of cool to have it almost. Um, you know, maybe do it kind of like Gamer. Have y'all seen that film with Gerard Butler where he kind of controls um, the character? Yeah. Like, kind of like, it, it would be kind of more like, I think if they kind of like brought the, you know, whatever they do on the, you see, that kind of goes back to Jumanji. See, Jumanji, just, I don't know. I mean, I don't want the, I don't want them to, if they go that route, I don't want them to feel like it's a copycat film. But I thought it would be kind of cool, like, you know, I mean, like, it would be like Jumanji-like where, Whatever they do on the game, it starts to happen in the real world. So if they open up a gate, you know, there's like a door that opens, and that's like a portal for creatures to come through and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it would be like a little gonna... bit. People are always going to compare it to being a copycat, but the at least like subject material would be different, you know, like with what uh, Jumanji was and what uh, Dungeons and Dragons is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it could work depending on you know where they you know how they how they really try to pull it off. But as long as they're not getting like sucked into it, or um, you know maybe it could be something to where the portal does open and they go through and and you know that's you know they are creating the game while they're in there and everything that they create happens. Uh, but there's you know limits to it or something. You know, like you can't just say, oh well, I get the power sword and I win. You know this, that, and the other. I don't know. I mean. I, I would almost maybe kind of turn in, you know, maybe do like, you know, like I said, just kind of a fantasy movie, kind of like He-Man. I mean, I know Masters of the Universe is coming out in 2021, but I mean, I think you could still kind of do something like that, and you know, you just have the name on there. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely can. I just looked it up. Um, <clears throat> Variety had a report last year that Chris McKay was being eyed for um, Dungeons and Dragons. He was in negotiations. So apparently negotiations <laughs> fell through. Yeah, uh, but didn't Chris actually like come out and? Uh, but I think Chris was like in, in in you know actually talking about it and uh, you know was kind of like interacting with fans about it. So you know when Brady says being eyed or in talks and talks means he he's got it. So I mean like you said something must have fell through and they didn't uh, uh, and they just never did they never did announce it. But yeah. Chris, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. I mean, he Nightwing seems to have fallen under, and now Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I mean, he's got to. 
Maybe he'll go back to Lego Batman. I, I, I don't mean to make fun, Chris McKay. You do follow us, and, and we are fans. What you did with Lego Batman, but this is two really uh, two ones that you had in your hands and somehow just obliterated. Uh, so find something, and hopefully you can stick with it because I do think he's uh, talented. So it does suck that we won't see him ever do Nightwing. He was really passionate about Nightwing. Um, so who knows? Maybe ten years from now they can revisit. Um, but all right, let's move on. Um, ask me that I play Battleship. This guy. Alright, um, Jamie Alexander wants Sif to be Valkyrie's queen. I actually had this conversation with Joel last night. I do not want whoever Valkyrie's queen does turn out to be to be anyone we've seen before. Uh, I think that notion is, is unnecessary. I, I don't need it to be, I don't need it to be Captain Marvel like people keep shipping. Um, I don't need it to be Sif. I don't need it to be Jane. Um, I, I don't need it to be any one that we have seen so far. Let it be someone that, um, you know, after the events of Endgame, she fell in love with, and, and that's who her queen is. Uh, I, I, just, I think you making it someone that we've seen before, I guess, is forced. Lady Sif had the hugest crush on Thor, um, and, and it just seemed like Thor never really paid her attention, uh, which is different from the comics. But, um, T, I'll start with you. Um, is there anyone that you would like to see uh, be um, Valkyrie's queen? And your thoughts on Jamie Alexander wanting this to be uh, that person? I mean, I'm fine with this being Valkyrie's queen if it just means that we get to freaking see this back. Because you're going to, like, and I believe maybe it was due to filming, like, um, you know, problems. I don't think it was necessarily anything else other than that. I could be wrong. But you want to take away, like, the most badass, like, female warrior in Asgard and not bring her back? I mean, what? I've been waiting for this to come back. And you know what? I, at this point, do not want her to go back to Thor. I mean, I know that she was never really with Thor, but I know that, like, that's kind of a storyline in the comics and something that they even tried to set up a little, um, you know, in previous movies, but I don't want that. Um, so I don't mind the idea of Valkyrie and Lady Sif. I think that would kind of be badass. They both be two awesome, badass female warriors. I certainly don't want Valkyrie's um, queen to be a um, meek little thing. I want her to kind of be a badass just like she is. So I don't want to be Jane, obviously. Um, and I think people only really ship Captain Marvel and Valkyrie because Brie Larson and Tessa Thompson seem to be such good friends in real life. So I believe that's probably a major reason why that whole shipping thing happens. But um, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head other than I really would not mind it being Lady Sith because as far as um, existing female characters go, I don't really know anyone who would kind of properly work in that universe so much so, you know? I just, to me, Lady Sif just kind of seems a bit cheap. And with you not putting her in Ragnarok, there is, we have no idea, like, what she's been doing, where she's been. And I'm a huge advocate of not having, like, I don't like bringing in someone I haven't seen in super long. Um, and then you have no intentions on explaining where they've been for all which would wa- which is why it would be awesome if we got a mini series on Disney Plus with her 
to kind of explain where she's been this whole time. I mean, to me, if you did a mini series and, you know, you just said she was, uh, you know, she did come with the people of Asgard, maybe in the mini series, her and Valkyrie fall in love and that's explained there, sure, sure. But what I don't want is like the end of the movie to where Thor is with, is with uh, Jade Foster and then like, he's like, you know, you should maybe find someone, Valkyrie, like you should be happy. And she's like, oh, I did find someone, and Lady Sif comes up and it's like, I think that's super cheap, and I, I don't know if I'd like that. Um, you know, but if, obviously, if it happens, nothing I can do. But I'm, I'm not uh, rooting for that to be the case. Well, just, they, don't have to necess- they don't necessarily have to have it in the movie where it's already established. Their romance could develop right there on screen if Marvel is brave enough to do it because well, we already know that there's going to be some sort of group of crazy mothers out there. Ah, oh, Disney, you're not appropriate for my children. Didn't they, like, bitch and complain recently because there was some animated movie? Oh, Toy Story. Uh, for two seconds on screen, there was a kid who had two mothers, and there was, like, a whole petition about it. So, ooh, can't wait to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew the world was ridiculous when there was petitions about smoking. I'm like, what? Mm. I, huh? yeah. That was weird. Um, but uh, your thoughts on Jamie Alexander wanting Sif to be Valkyrie's queen? Um, and if you're not a huge fan of the idea of that, is there anyone uh, that you've seen throughout the MCU that you'd love to see uh, as Valkyrie's queen? Uh, not that I've seen uh, throughout the MCU. I mean, if they want to bring someone new in, I mean, that would be that would be cool. But I mean, I really do, I really don't mind if they brought Sif back because, uh, you know, fans really love the character. She didn't get her send off in Ragnarok. She was, you know, missing MIE, who knows where. But I don't think it would take a lot in the film to um, reintroduce her, you know, for her to say where she was at. I mean, we don't need 30, 45 minutes of backstory on where she's been this whole time. She could have been somewhere and uh, you know, when Hella attacked, you know, maybe she went into hiding, maybe she was off world fighting, she got snapped, she came back, you know, went to uh you know, Asgard saw that it was destroyed, you know, came to Earth. You know, who knows? I mean I really don't know where they're gonna go with it, but I think that people love the character. They love Jamie Alexander, they'd love to see her come back. And she seems like she really wants to continue playing that role. I mean, so, um, no, you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, you know, I don't know that they're going to go that route, but I don't have anybody else in mind. I just, I would be for it. I wouldn't be against it. Um, I know that she did have a thing for, um, you know, Thor. So, I mean, I understand like what Tia's saying. There was that love triangle between Sif and Thor and Jane. So I don't really know where they would go with uh, Valkyrie. But I, I think they're going to bring in somebody new, honestly. I think it'll be somebody we haven't seen. Um uh, you know who it could be. Like I said, I have no clue, but I think it will definitely be somebody we haven't seen so far. Yeah, I'm not against you bringing Lady Sith back. I would like to see Lady Sith back. What I meant about the explanation is, if you bring her back uh, and she ends up being the queen to uh, to Valkyrie, it kind of seems like you brought her back to be the queen to Valkyrie. And then to me, it's like that needs an explanation. Um, but if you're bringing her back, like I said, like like you said, maybe she was snapped. If she's coming back to aid Thor, I have no issues with that. She is super 
Uh, I had so much fun watching Jamie Alexander, uh, as Lady said, uh, not only in Thor 1 and 2, but also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, so I have no problem with her coming back. It's just don't cheapen it by bringing her back with the purpose of just being the, you know, Valkyrie's girlfriend. Because then, to me, my question would be, all right, cool, that was cool that you did that. But it's like, how how many more movies of Thor are you looking to do? Because to me, it would justify it. Like, if you're telling me you're doing two or three more Thors and Valkyrie's involved in them, cool. We get to see the dynamic of Thor and, and Foster and, um, you know, uh, Valkyrie and, and Lady Sith. But if it's just this, and this might be the end of, you know, the Thor story, I don't bring her back just to be the, the queen of, of, of Valkyrie. Give her more than that. Um, but, yeah, everyone that's shipping Captain Marvel in, in Valkyrie, it, it's weird. And stop. Uh, <laughs> please stop. Um, but, yeah, so yeah the, the petitions are, are starting already. Like, people are already putting pen to paper uh, to complain about something. Um because you know how they are. But uh, I did want to, we got time, so I did want to talk a little bit about uh, two things. One, we did just get confirmation that Kevin Conroy will be playing uh, an older Bruce Wayne in Crisis on Infinite Earth. Um, that is dope. <laughs> that is super dope. I still wish it was Tom Welling so we can get um, Tom Welling playing Batman on Batwoman. Uh Believe me, that show's going to need Batman sooner rather than later. Um, Supergirl learned that lesson. But, um, you know, this is great. We finally get Bruce Wayne. Now, whether or not he's playing Batman is where I think it's going to get tricky. Because, um, Kanan, you would know this better than me. I'm not even sure we're going to get Batman and Titan. I think they're very heavily against showing Batman. They're completely fine with showing Bruce Wayne. Um, so I want to go to you first. Uh, do you think we will see Kevin Conroy as Batman? Because his body just wouldn't really make sense. Um, but what, do you think it's just going to be a Bruce Wayne thing, like him more of a, uh, of a mentor um, rather than him actually suiting up? Or do you think they might actually go the route of, of obviously getting someone else to be the, the body double, um, but seeing actually Batman on Christ? Uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to be Batman. I mean, it says that he's going to be an older, uh, a future version of Bruce Wayne. So I think we're going to get um, – and now it's possible that he's the Bruce Wayne uh, that's in the timeline for Batwoman and that, you know, we're seeing his older, you know, future self. But uh, this will probably be more like a uh, Batman Beyond type nod. But I don't think we're going to see him in the costume. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Batman in the costume at all. Um, in fact, if you remember, um, it was at Comic-Con, they had talked about Batman possibly showing up in Batwoman. And the showrunner for Batwoman said that they would love that, but Batman is one of the most locked-down characters uh, there is. In fact, they had to um, they had to get special permission to use um Tyler Hoechlin as uh, Superman, they got a couple of appearances, um, which was – that was it. That was done. The re- reason why he got to come back for um, the, the a crossover event because um, there's no plans for a Superman movie right now. So that's why they're kind of lenient with him. But Batman is still um, in full swing at Warner Brothers, especially with Reeves getting ready to work on it. And I just I – don't, I don't think we will. I mean – 
they allowed it on Gotham um, to some degree. <laughs> um, and it counts. He had the Batman. He had a Batman suit on. He was Bruce Wayne. Um, and then so we saw bad. Silhouette on Titans. But I don't know if they're going to allow that in the, um, you know, in the Arrowverse. Because like you said, they, they have a Bruce Wayne Batman slash Batman on Titans. And I think we could see him in the outfit. I really do because, like I said, we saw the Batman silhouette outfit in Titans last season. Um, so I think we might see that to some degree. But no, we're, we're, I don't think we're going to see Kevin Conroy. But this is huge because, you know, Conroy's done the voice of Batman for – Oh, what, uh, 25 years now? Has it been like yep. 25 years or something like that? Um, maybe yeah. longer. Um, and if finally we're getting him as a live action. He's done the voice for the video games. He's done the voice for the movies. Uh, we just haven't, we've never gotten him, uh, as you know, to portray the live action, uh, Bruce Wayne. So this is, this is really cool. This was huge news. Um, they're going all out, man. Uh, if they can get Tom Welling to come back, like that one report said, that was kind of a rumor with Tom Welling and uh, Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. I mean, that would be huge, man. I mean, this is um, this is a big deal for for DC. So I'm hoping they're going to be a little bit lenient uh, with their characters. I don't know why they have such uh, tight restraints on on Batman and Superman. To me, they drive they drive ratings. So I mean, if, if if a, a Batman movie can come out that's bad and still make a lot of money, you would kind of understand that he's just a, he's a seller. So it's like if Bat, if even if Batwoman does amazing in ratings in season one, it won't last. That was why Supergirl needed Superman. You just needed you needed something that would bring the eyes to the show and then hopefully, um, you know, maintain those same eyes going forward. But to me, I have a huge issue. Uh, same issue I have with Gotham, same issue I have with Krypton, same issue I know I'm going to have with Batwoman. I don't like shows that need Batman that refuse to have Batman. It's annoying. The only reason Titans works is because the show's not about Robin. It's about the Teen Titans. So I'm, I'm like, I don't have any complaints there. We didn't need to see Bruce Wayne. It's going to be dope to see him, and hopefully he does suit up to help them fight Deathstroke. But to me, it's just like Batwoman can only go but so far without you ever showing Bruce. You don't need to show Batman, um, but that's why hopefully Kevin Conroy's um, role is in the Batwoman crossover, and maybe he tells her why he left. And, you know, So we now know, like, this is why Bruce Wayne hasn't been in Gotham for however long, they said, um, in, the, in the crossover. But to me, this is great. This is really great. The Tom Welling thing, I think, might not be true only because he has a, a role on Arrow. So I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna introduce him brand new in Arrow and then have him still be like a super like Superman from a different Earth. I don't know if they're gonna go that far. It'd be dope. I wouldn't have any issues with it. But um, this crossover is gonna be stupid sick. I'm just waiting for the Green Lantern confirmation and I'm set. Um, but Tia, um, what are your thoughts on Kevin Conroy coming into the the crossover as is Bruce Wayne? Kevin Conroy is the Batman, what Mark Hamill is to the Joker. Talk about my freaking childhood. I grew up watching Batman the Animated Series. That voice is such an iconic and legendary voice for the role of Bruce Wayne. So when I saw that he was going to be making his appearance, I thought, 
why hasn't anyone thought of this before? Why wait this long? But who cares? It's going to be an insane event. And the idea that you're bringing Kevin Conroy in to play Bruce Wayne, I love that. That's going to be really great. I'm interested to see, you know, because, again, we've, we've heard him play the role for so many years. But it will be interesting to see how he then acts the role, how his physical, um, you know, uh, uh, demeanor is going to be if we feel like the voice even matches what we see on the outside. That's going to be probably the most interesting. Um, I, I, either way, that's, it's, it's brilliant. The fact that the producers of the CW, whomever thought of that, I just love that idea. I'm excited to see him. Um, be a part of this really epic event, which is going to be, you know, the end of, say, like, the Arrow. Um, you know, we're going to see a lot change after this event. Excuse me. Yeah, this is this is a game changer for, for CW. Um, and I'm very proud of them that they've lasted as long as they have to get to this moment. Um, me and Joel meeting Kevin Conroy, uh, and getting his autograph. I think the the funniest thing we remember is that when we walked in there, like he was just sitting there, like there weren't hordes of people around him, and we were kind of just like, do they not know? Like this is the guy that voiced Batman. Like why is it, why why aren't there lines like out of the door? Um, so we got we got there and we talked with him for a little bit. He was nice enough to give us a photo. We also got the autograph. Um, but it's just it, it he's defined. Um, what we know as, as Batman. Like, he's our Batman. Um, and Joel hates me when I say this. I love Jason O'Mara. I love what he's brought to um, the voice of Batman. I would have also loved to have seen Jason O'Mara um, at some point come into the Arrowverse. He's a really good actor, too. Um, but this is huge. And hopefully we do get the Green Lantern confirmation from John Diggle. Um, but this crossover is going to be one you do not want to miss. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I wanted to also talk about another thing because uh, I wanted to argue this with Tia. So I'm going to go to you first, Tia, because I want to argue with you about this. Um, oh, no. We got a is it Halo? Oh, 100%. <laughs> you know this is Halo. You know this is going to be Halo. Uh, <laughs> apparently, we got word that uh, Master Chief may or may not have his mask off. Um, Tia, I'm going to go to you first so I don't ramble and take away your talking time. I'll go to you first. Um, your thoughts on that, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, your excitement for when we actually do start to see, you know, first release photos of Pablo Shriver as Master Chief. Well, so the background story to this whole topic is that I was sitting on my couch, what was it, yesterday or something, and I got a Google alert, um, and it, that was pretty much the title of the, the, the article, and I immediately sent it to Juwan, and he sent back at least 20 frowny faces because I knew that that was going to just get him riled up. But, you know, um, if you are, you know, any sort of regular listener to this, you know that I love Pablo Shriver. So the idea of him being, uh, you know, Master Chief and not maybe wearing the helmet all the time is fine with me. I mean, you're doing a series on this character. It's not just a a video game or even a movie. You can have those down times where he's not wearing the helmet and then obviously when he goes off the fight, he can put the helmet on. But I I think, I don't see 
a problem with him, you know, in like say a layman's uh, situation, not having it. And I will say, if you want to kind of like keep up with like say Pablo Schreiber's Instagram, he's been working out like nobody's freaking business to get ready for this role. So to me, that shows that like we may even see more of him than just you know his face. Um, as I'm saying this, my boyfriend is in the other room yelling, going, he has to wear the helmet. <laughs> so I could be, like, the only one here that is uh, in the, the, you know, who feels that he doesn't necessarily have to wear the helmet all the time. Yeah, 100%. You need to go high-five your, your boyfriend for me uh, like 30 <laughs> times, high-five him. Uh, my biggest issue is, I was, I was telling you all this last night, my biggest issue is I've played all the Halo games. I'm a huge Halo fan. Um, he not once, not once, had his helmet on. So to me, adapt the game. I don't ever need to see. That's why I told you, Thea, if this is the thing that upset me the most. I did not want a guy like Pablo and Shriver because I knew they were going If you cast someone that is attractive, you're going to want to show his face. It's inevitable. I get it. And they That's did- why I said Just not to interrupt you, but they did also report that there is going to be drama that was not introduced in the Halo games involved in this Showtime series. Yeah, that means absolutely. That's hot, hot, the gosh. Keep the mask on. This is why you cast the the most ugliest human being to be Master Chief. That's a good actor. Because I don't want to see him without it. it it's off-putting. It won't even look right. Um, so it, it, it's going to bother me a lot. Tia, this is my biggest fear. You, If this show does good, you know what they're going to do for the, not this Halo game coming out next year. You know what they're going to do for future Halo games? They're going to have Master Chief with his helmet on. And it's just going <laughs> to spurn into something that's just destructive. Okay? Put him in the helmet. Keep him in the helmet. And to me... That's it. Kanan, I want, I want to go to you really quickly. Tell me how overreact, uh, overreactive I am about this and how much you don't care about Pablo Shriver wearing or not wearing the mask. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really don't care. I mean, Master Chief <laughs> is a character. Master Chief is a character that has his helmet on, uh, you know, all the time. So I know that that's not how the show's going to be because, I mean, you're not going to keep Pablo Shriver undercover um, of the helmet the entire time. I mean, this isn't going to be a, a Judge Dredd type thing with Carl Urban because, I mean, at least you could see um, from Carl Urban's, you know, kind of bottom of his nose down, you know, so there were some facial expressions, whereas, you know, the halo helmet covers his entire face. Um, but, I mean, why is this a thing? I mean, who cares? I mean, <laughs> it, it, it amazes me, man, that people, you know, it's like, when, you know, Idris Elba for Deathstroke or whatever, they're like, oh, you know, don't put the – you know, in the comics he wears a mask. I mean, Will Smith wore the, the Deadshot mask for like two minutes. I mean, we we know what you look like, Will Smith. I mean, put the mask on. I mean, it, it's okay. You don't have to wear it the whole time, but when you are in action, you need to wear the mask. So I think that's how right. it should be with, uh, on, with Halo. I think Master Chief, when they're in action, he should have the helmet on the entire time. Not this crap where – Oh, we got to see his face, like with Iron Man. I mean, Captain America. I mean, I give props to Chris Evans, man. He wore the helmet, the mask, just about every time. You know, when he was yeah. fighting. 
That's how it should be. Yep. I mean, how many times were they trying to knock the helmet off of Iron Man so you could see Tony Stark's face while he was fighting? I mean, come on, dude. He's Iron Man. His face is covered. That's how Halo needs to be. When Master Chief isn't fighting, then Tia can drool all over the TV and follow Shriver. <laughs> but when he's fighting, the helmet needs to stay on. And that's what yeah, I, and I mean, that's what I'm fine with. I'm fine with those situations. I'm just saying that if you have a series, you're probably going to have moments where they're not fighting and they're in more of a you know casual setting. And why would he just be walking around wearing the helmet during those casual settings? Because it doesn't even that's make sense. Exactly. Because Halo does not have casual settings. Like, there is no moment where they're sitting at a bar and they're just having conversations. <laughs> they're definitely so going to have that in the show. <laughs> I, and that, that's what's going to kill me. And it's funny because my stance on helmets, uh, it's funny because Joelle hates in, in the last season of Arrow how even though everyone knows who Oliver is, he wears the mask but not the hood. And, and it irks him. Um, <laughs> And I never understood how crazy I sounded, so I, I had that talk with him about how much that bothers him. Uh, and then I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, like they used to call you the hood. You're not even wearing it anymore. Like what is the whole purpose of even having? So to me, it's, I'm with you, Cannon, on the idea of when he goes into battle, wear it. Like that's what bugs me about um, Downey, because not only do we see his face when he has the mask on, we see his face outside of the mask, and it's just like, Robert, like, you're not Henry Cavill. We don't need to see your face as much as we're seeing your face. It's okay to wear your mask here and there uh, rather than majority of the movie. I'm just seeing your face. Um, so a huge props to Chris Evans because he completely gets it. Um, but, yeah, to me, Master Chief, keep the helmet on pretty please <laughs> because you do, ne- you do not need to have it on. Um, Tia can just Google photos of you. We don't need it in the show. I can't wait uh, for this show just so that we can have all of these discussions. Every time Juwan's going to be texting me, oh, the helmet's off, the helmet's off. Yeah, I, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> very, very, I'm going to watch the show angry. Like, I can't eat. I can't have anything in my hands. I'm going to throw stuff. Uh, the review for this show is already going to be horrible because I'm going to tell you how much I hated it. I didn't have the mask. Um, but, again, Tia, Kanan, thank you guys for joining me for another episode of Geek Vibes Live. We do have an interview with Sean Sipos um, from Krypton, plays Adam Strange. Uh, we did a collaboration with Cena Nerd, so make sure you guys check that out. Tia, you just had an interview, um, if you wanted to plug that really quickly. Oh, it was wonderful. I spoke with Jonathan Walker, who is the new showrunner of Sci-Fi's Van Helsing's fourth season. He also um, is a producer for Netflix's Wu Assassins and will have a part in the upcoming Snowpiercer series. So we kind of dive through those three big projects that he's involved with, and it's just a really great interview. He was wonderful, and I certainly would say um, if you have a moment, check it out. Absolutely. Check out those two really dope interviews uh, myself and Tia just conducted. Also, Tia, you just had top ten, uh, am I correct? Yes, we went through the top ten moments from Amazon Prime's The Boys because we were not finished talking about that fantastic show. <laughs> I can talk about that show for days. Uh, I can't wait until <laughs> Joelle's done so that I can talk to Joelle about The Boys. Um, but, yes. Kanan, what else do we uh, do we have coming up? Um, we got um, – well, I've been – 
teasing, but uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'll actually unveil what's going to come in September for Geek Vibe Nation's first ever Fan Timber. It's kind of our fan appreciation month where we try to give back to the fans a little bit more. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, that's going to go off well, and I'll be talking to you all about that more. But, uh, no, I mean, right now, just keep following us on the website and uh, uh, keep following us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. All right, so you guys make sure you follow us on all our social media platforms, also on our website. Listen to our two interviews and Tia's brand new episode of Top 10 and this new episode of Geek Bot Blast. And we will see you guys same time and same place next week. Peace. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.